When a mid-30s businessman keeps waking up from recurring nightmares about a mysterious plane crash, he seeks to find the truth behind it in a classic thriller called Destination Yesterday that we're reading here today on UTR. So don't move a muscle. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to UTR here on... The Popcorn Talk Network. That's where we are. That's where that's, we are. That's oh, are. man, I got the wrong mug. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're doing some cross-promotion. Roxy has her very own After Buzz mug. We do have multiple networks here, guys. Check it out. Yeah. Um, but this is a show where we read Hollywood's hottest unproduced pilots and features. And today we're reading kind of a classic thriller. Um, we haven't really done one of these, I feel like, exciting PG-13 thrillers on the show yet. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, early 2000s, late 90s, like... Mm-hmm. Paycheck, Ben Affleck, like kind of that. Source code. Source code. Can something be considered classic that hasn't been made? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) It has the feel of a classic. Uh But that's a, let us know in the comments. Can something be classic if it hasn't been produced? Let us know. Um, Guys, my name is Jeff Graham. If you want to find me online, you can do so at Jeffrey C. Graham. And of course, as always, I have a group of amazing actors surrounding me. Yeah. uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. And today, I'll be reading for Theodore. Hey guys, I'm Roxy Stryer. You can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer. And I'll be reading for a bunch of characters, but mainly Nancy, Donna, and Isabella. Hey guys. Sorry. Hello. Hi. Good morning. (laughs) I'm Adrienne Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrienne Snow. And I'll be reading for Susan and various other characters. And I'm Hudson Miller, and I'm going to be reading for Kevin, the cop, and Andrew. So, a bunch of different characters, a lot of fun. You can't find me on any social media. I don't exist. Very spooky. <laughs> like the script. Try, though. Try to find me. If you, do, if you do, let me know. It might be my, like, my secret it's, doppelganger. It's a fun thing. Me. Yeah. I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. That is at Steve Kaufman, K-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm playing Mr. Harris, librarian, Mr. Austin, and... Close to a dozen more. You have to stick around and see. Ooh, Ooh. Nice tease. I <laughs> love it. Good. Good plug. Um, well, as you guys can see, we don't have the writer here in studio, but he is tuning along live. Dexter. Hi, Dexter. Thanks for tuning in. Dexter, Dexter is a, a super fan of our show, which is exciting. So thank you, Dexter, for being a fan. And thank you for being a great writer. Um, mm-hmm. Dexter pitched me a bunch of log lines, which was really exciting, and I um, was intrigued by a lot of them, but I was especially excited about this one because we haven't really done a thriller in a long time on the show, and um, this is a multi-award winning script. It won a big, um, it won the Gold Award at the L.A. um, Neo Crime Festival. That's not exactly what the festival's called. I have it written down somewhere, but we can let Dexter advise us when he gets on the phone later because he'll be calling from the East Coast. So, Dexter, we're looking forward to your call. In the meantime, guys, as I mentioned, this is a thriller featuring... Neo Noir. The uh, LA Neo Noir Festival. Aha, uh-huh, right. uh-huh. um, As I mentioned, though, guys, this is a thriller featuring <coughs> a um, kind of in the dark protagonist named Theodore who is struggling with recurring nightmares about a mysterious plane crash that he finds out might have a greater significance on his actual life than he thought. So mm. um, there's a lot of mystery, I think, that shrouds this script, which to me makes it very interesting. And Do you remember the logline? Or like, can I? Or I have to ask Dexter afterwards. Yeah, let's ask Dexter right. because I'm I very way to put him on. The I just want to know that the logline sold it, so I yeah. was like, I gotta, I gotta know how to write a logline. I'm sure he has it memorized because right. every good writer should have the pitch in their back pocket. But um, let's go ahead and get into it, guys. Right. This is Destination oh, Yesterday, yeah. written by Dexter E. Williams. <clears throat> Fade in, dream sequence, exterior blue sky day. An airplane peacefully soars across the clear blue sky. It's the perfect morning for the perfect flight. The voice of a flight attendant is heard as she makes an announcement to the passengers who are inside the plane. 
Attention passengers, we are making our final descent into Los Angeles. We should be landing in 15 minutes, so everyone please have your seatbelts on. We'll be at our destination in no time. It is a tranquil morning flight, and suddenly, without warning, the plane explodes. A huge fireball. Interior, Bennett residence, bedroom, night. Back to reality. Theodore Bennett. 35, wakes up from a terrible nightmare. His screams of terror get the attention of the woman sleeping next to him. Nancy Bennett, 32, hears the screams and sits up to comfort Theodore. Her wedding band glints in the evening moonlight. Teddy, it's all right. It's, it's all right. Look at me. Theodore stops screaming and looks at Nancy. As he sweats heavily, she wipes some of the sweat off his forehead. It's over, baby. It's over. Nancy gives him a hug. Why do I keep having the same shitty nightmare? Interior, bathroom, day. Theodore showers as he tries to recover from the nightmare. He washes his face and reaches for the bar of soap. The soap is bright orange. Exterior, blue sky, day. Flashback, a bright orange flame as the plane explodes in midair. Interior, bathroom, day. Back to present. Theodore stands there as the water pours on his back. He tries unsuccessfully to shake off the image of the exploding plane. Interior, kitchen, day. Theodore, now dressed for work, has breakfast with Nancy. She puts down her French toast and looks up at him. You considered vacation time? From what? From your time at work? Nancy, that's the last thing on my mind right now. Nancy sees Theodore in a a perplexed state, and she soon has a worried look on her own face. What's wrong, Teddy? Thinking about the nightmares again? Um, I'm all right, honey. No, you're not. You can't fool me. Theodore sighs. How the hell can I focus on work when these goddamn nightmares keep creeping up on me every night. Some time off work would do a world of good for you, Teddy. I can't do that. Gotta finish that calendar project for Mr. Harris or he'll fire my ass. Tell me about the nightmare. Come on, honey. Do we have to go through this every... Please. Theodore takes a moment. It's so vivid. He shows a troubled look on his face as he puts down his cup of coffee. There's this flight attendant and she's... He finds it difficult to continue. And... Theodore doesn't respond. Teddy? Let's just talk about it later, all right? He checks his watch. I gotta go. You can't ignore this forever, Teddy. Don't want to be late. Theodore takes one last sip of coffee, grabs his work folder, and heads out the door. Teddy? He looks back at Nancy. You need to get help with your nightmares. Look, we'll talk about it soon. We'll talk about it when I get home. I promise. He kisses her goodbye and leaves, and she notices his half-eaten French toast and sighs. Interior car day. Theodore drives to work as he talks to his associate via cell phone. He has it on the speakers. I'm trying to finish it ASAP. Remember the deadline? Yeah, I know. Next Thursday's the deadline. Okay. See you at the water cooler. You bet. He hangs up the cell phone. Interior, Anthony Group Advertising, Theodore's office day. Theodore sits on his comfy black chair. He gets out the necessary <laughs> papers for his calendar project and puts them in front of the desk. He starts to examine them. Suddenly, Donna Marlin, mid-twenties, Theodore's secretary, opens the door. Sorry to interrupt you, Mr. Bennett, but there's someone here to see you. Uh, who is it? She wouldn't give her name. Then she'll have to come back later, Donna. I'm rather busy. She said it was urgent. Theodore sighs. <sighs> Send her in. After Donna closes the door, Theodore sets his work aside. A moment later, the door reopens. Susan, a woman in her 30s, enters Theodore's office. A pale-faced woman dressed completely in pitch black. Susan's aqua blue eyes shine behind the clearest of glasses. Hello, Theodore. Look, lady, I'm very busy, so pardon my rudeness, but what do you want? Well, all I want is for you to give me the chance to tell you something that's of the utmost importance. Well, what is it that you want to tell me that is of the utmost importance? Okay. Well, you were on a plane one day. It was a flight that never reached its destination. There's a look of genuine disbelief on Theodore's face. He's stunned by Susan's eerie words. Who the hell are you? Well, I 
I'd rather not tell you at this time. I will, however, tell you where I'd like to continue this conversation. Look, I don't have time for games, lady. I gotta get back to work. Meet me at the firehouse for lunch. I'll tell you everything there. Susan leaves, much to Theodore's chagrin. Hey, where are you going? Hey! Theodore slams his fist on the desk. Flashback. Exterior blue sky day. The plane blows to smithereens, becoming a huge, enormous fireball. Interior Theodore's office day. Back to present. Theodore shakes his head in the desperate attempt to shake away the image of the exploding plane. Interior refreshment room day. Theodore gets water from the water cooler with Kevin Connors, early 30s, his work partner. A mystery lady. I like her already. Kevin, it's not like that. What else could it be? You've got a secret admirer. She came from out of the blue. Yeah, but she offered to treat you to lunch, so can't be that bad, right? Well, maybe it's her trick. Theodore puts his plastic cup in the recycling bin. He walks out to the refreshment room while Kevin looks on. Interior car, day. Theodore's at the wheel as he tries to figure out in his mind the events of the past few hours. Voiceover. You were on a plane one day. It was a flight that never reached its destination. He checks his watch. Ten minutes to high noon. He quickly looks back at the road. Exterior car continuous. Theodore's Porsche cruises along the road. Interior of the firehouse restaurant day. Theodore looks over a menu at one of the tables. As he ponders over the menu, he hears a familiar voice call out his name. I'm glad you're on time, Theodore. He slowly puts down the menu, looks up, and he sees Susan standing before him. Look, I hope you don't plan on wasting too much of my time. Mm, I'm all business, Theodore Bennett, I assure you. You have a name? It's Susan. Susan takes the chair across from Theodore and sits on it. All right, Susan, start talking. Well, you got on a plane one morning to go from Sacramento to Los Angeles. Los Angeles? Please let me finish. The (laughs) flight was on a Tuesday morning. How long ago was this flight? Some years ago. And did something happen on that flight? Susan sits there, emotionless. Not another word spoken. What happened on that flight, Susan? A beat. As the plane traveled the skies 15 minutes before reaching Los Angeles, it exploded into thousands of pieces. There's a wide-eyed look on Theodore's face. The hell did you just say? The plane exploded. Everyone on board was killed instantly, including you. Theodore momentarily looks away. (laughs) This is a joke. You've got a real sick sense of humor, all right? No, it's no joke, Theodore. I'm telling you the truth. You were killed on that plane. I was killed on that plane, too. Theodore stands up. This is ridiculous. You can't expect me to believe this shit. What, we're, we're dead? No, we are very much alive right now. Theodore sits back down. When did the plane explode? Uh, in the spring of 1979. 1979? Lady, I was born in 1982. Explain that. You were not Theodore Bennett when you died. What the hell are you talking about? We have both been reincarnated. Theodore momentarily looks away from Susan. Then he looks back at her with a pissed-off look on his face. Look, I don't know what kind of scam you're trying to pull, but it's not going to work. But, uh, Stay the hell away from me. Theodore gets up and walks away from Susan. Exterior, driveway, day. Theodore's Porsche makes its way toward the driveway, arriving at his house. Theodore gets out of the car as he takes his work folder with him, and he walks up the steps to the door. Interior, Bennett residence, living room continuous. Nancy reads a tour guide of the Bahamas when her husband comes in. She comes to the door and kisses him. Welcome home, honey. I'd rather be sleeping than talking right now. Well, that kind of day for you, huh? Yeah. Theodore notices the tour guide in Nancy's hand. Where are you going? He closes the door and settles in. I was planning a vacation for the two of us, but now I'm not sure if it's a good idea, so... What's with you? Still thinking about your nightmares. Theodore sighs. Nancy, do we have to go through this again? You promised we'd talk about it when you got home. Tonight? All right, tonight, for sure. 
How was lunch? It sucked. Theodore kisses Nancy, then he walks away toward his bedroom. Interior bedroom continuous. Theodore takes off his shoes and plops down on the bed. He sees the work folder on the front of the bed, and he gets up to grab the folder and its empty contents. He sees the unfinished calendar. He's about to take a closer look at the papers when the phone rings. He answers it. Bennett residence. Hi again, it's Susan. Theodore is freaked out to hear Susan's voice again. How the hell did you get my number? I have my methods. Uh, paying underpaid um, unemployed employees for information has proven to be quite effective. This is big time harassment. Don't call my house again. Well, what I said at the firehouse about you and I is the truth. How can it be the truth? I wasn't even born when it happened. You were there, Theodore. Like, I swear, I don't have time for this bullshit. Now, why don't you leave me alone? Well, not until you explore your past life and accept it for what it is. Susan hangs up. Theodore puts the phone back in the cradle. Nancy comes in to see what's the matter with her husband. You okay, Teddy? Who are we talking to? Some lady named Susan. A beat. How'd you even know I was on the phone? I overheard you. You said to her about not being born when it happened. What exactly happened? Theodore can't find the words to answer this question. What did she say that happened, Theodore? She said I was on a flight to L.A. in my previous life. A previous life? You're talking about reincarnation? The funny thing is, I've been having dreams about that flight to L.A. You've been having nightmares about a past life. Nancy's got that worried look again. Come on, Nancy. The lady was speaking nonsense. It's coincidence. That's all. Theodore sighs. Look, I just want to forget about the whole thing and focus on getting this damn calendar done. Okay? Nancy's face glows with a smile. On one condition. Name it. You take time off after the calendar's done so you and I can go on vacation. It's a deal. Theodore smiles as well. Interior, Roger Harris's office night. Roger Harris, late 40s, Theodore's demanding boss is on the phone. Public demand for the calendar surpassed our expectations, so I'm changing the deadline to next Tuesday morning. Interior Theodore's room continuous. Theodore's on the other line as he talks to Mr. Harris. Oh, c- come on, Mr. Harris. I can't finish up that fast. I'm, I'm way behind on schedule as it is. I suggest you find a way to get the job done, or I'll hire someone else for the job. Good night, Mr. Bennett. <laughs> Mr. Harris abruptly hangs up on Theodore. Theodore slams the cell phone down, and he turns the computer off and heads for the bedroom. Interior bedroom night. Theodore wakes up from the same nightmare he's had <sighs> for the past few nights. Jesus Christ, Nancy no. Nancy wakes up. Teddy, it, it's okay, it's okay. Theodore looks to Nancy. Is it, Nance? Well, every night it seems to get less and less okay for me. She gives him a comforting hug. Interior, Anthony Group advertising, Theodore's office, day. As Theodore continues his work on the calendar, someone knocks on the door. He quickly puts his work aside. Come in. The door opens, and an eerily familiar face returns. Susan, thanks for coming in again. I'm not interrupting your work, am I? No, don't be silly. I wanted to apologize for biting your head off earlier. Be? What you want me to believe, it can't be real. Me living a past life? It is real. I wouldn't be here telling you this if it wasn't true. These nightmares are driving me crazy. How do I stop them? Well, they're not nightmares. They are repressed memories of your past life. Don't try to fight them. They can't be memories. Can you help me stop the nightmares or not? I can help you when you're ready to explore them and learn the truth. They're your link to the past, and once you remember them, you'll understand everything. Susan looks away from Theodore, and she walks out of his office. Interior bar day. Theodore sits with his drink, a martini he has yet to sip. Kevin makes an effort to cheer him up. Don't sweat it, man. You'll make the deadline. 
By the rate I'm going, I'll be lucky just to get to the halfway point. Kevin sees Theodore's face, which is in a deep state of concern. Would you stop worrying, Teddy? And you sound like my paranoid brother. Theodore looks at Kevin. Listen, I gotta take care of something. Let me go with I, you. It's personal, man. Theodore gets up and leaves the bar. Interior, Sacramento Public Library Day. Theodore enters the public library by way of its revolving doors, and he comes to the librarian, mid-40s, for some help. Yeah, I'm uh, looking for some articles on any plane explosions over Los Angeles, 1979. We, we can look for them on microfilm. Was, was there someone on board you wanted to find? Yes, but I don't know who he is yet. Interior, micro room film day. Theodore looks at the different drawers of past editions of the Sacramento Union until he finds the one marked 1979. He opens the drawer and gets out the box. When he opens the box, he finds a roll of microfilm. Interior microfilm room later. Theodore sifts through the many days of articles. He speeds through article after article until he skips past a particular headline. He turns back to the headline and the photograph that accompanies it. Couple only flight over Los Angeles kills all on board and terrorist at terrorist, god damn it. He's shocked beyond words, but even more so when he sees the date above the headline. Jesus Christ, it happened on March fifteenth? It's Nancy's birthday. He stares out into space and he's puzzled and a bit freaked out. Interior Bennett residence bedroom day. Theodore talks to Susan on the phone. I wasn't lying to you. I hate to admit it, Susan, but you were right about the exploding plane. Well, I'm glad you're starting to believe Theodore. Listen, I didn't say I believe I've lived a past life. There's got to be some kind of hoax. I don't think you've lived before. I know. Uh, And fate chose you. It chose me. The sooner you start exploring your past life, the better off you'll be. Susan hangs up, and Theodore puts the phone back on the cradle. He sits down on his side of his bed when Nancy comes in. You okay, honey? Yeah, I'm fine. A beat? You're right. About what? My nightmares. I... I need to get help with them so I can go on with my life. I'm pleased to hear you say that, Teddy. And I know just the lady for the job. Nancy walks out of the room for a moment, and when she comes back, she has a white business card in her hand. Good friend of mine went to see her, and the lady worked wonders, so... She gives Theodore the card, and he looks at it. It reads, Isabella Rose, <sighs> New Age Hypnotherapist. He looks back at Nancy. Give me a break, Nancy. I don't believe in this nonsense. Well, my friend believes in her. Thanks to Isabella, she quit smoking. For a chance, Teddy. Theodore looks back at the card, then he reluctantly puts it in his pocket. I'll think about it, okay? Checks his watch. What I need to think about right now is making good impression at that meeting. Hope it goes well. Theodore and Nancy kiss, then he gets his work folder and heads out the door. Interior card day. Theodore drives toward the meeting, checks his watch, less than two hours. So he decides to make a stop. Interior Sacramento Public Library, reading room day. Theodore makes an effort to put the finishing touches on the calendar. He stops what he's doing, he digs into his pocket, and gets out Isabella Rose's card. He looks at it for a while, and he sighs. He puts the card back in his pocket, grabs his work folder, and heads toward the exit. Interior card day. Theodore stops at a red light. He glances up. There is the sign he's been looking for. Isabella Rose, new age hypnotherapist. The light turns green. He pulls in and parks. Exterior, Isabella Rose's place, day. Theodore is at the door as he rings the doorbell. At first, there's no response. After he rings the bell again, the door opens, and out comes Isabella Rose. In her mid-thirties, Isabella is an attractive bald woman with a uniquely spiritual vibe. Good afternoon. Can I help you? I'm looking for Isabella. I'm Isabella. Great. I'm Theodore Bennett, and my wife gave me your card. She talked me into coming to see you. Glad you came, Theodore. How can I be of service to you today? 
I've had these nightmares and they're keeping me awake. He sighs. I'd feel better if I told you inside. Ooh, by all means, come on in. Interior, Isabella's place day. The place has the feel and atmosphere of a greenhouse. Flowers and rose petals surround the wall, and an antique fan on the ceiling spins smoothly. Isabella sits on her chair as she listens to Theodore. The lady seems to know about my dreams. She said I died in a plane explosion in 1979. Hmm. The odd thing is, is that it occurred three years before I was born. Sounds like a case of reincarnation. Yeah, I guess. It's a very interesting story, Theodore. I believe I can help you with these nightmares of yours. Isabella gets up from her chair. I strongly believe the hypnotic regression can unlock many doors to our past lives. Are you ready to walk through one of those doors? (sighs) I mean, there's a good chance I'm not going to like what's inside. You don't have to worry about going in there alone. I will guide you every step. Away. Theodore thinks about Isabella's offer, then looks at her. Let's talk through that door together then, shall we? Mm. He lays back on the couch. Interior Isabella's place later. Isabella swings a large, sparkling crystal on a chain in front of Theodore's face as she hypnotizes him. She speaks to him in a calm, monotonous tone. Follow the crystal with your eyes. Relax. Your mind is floating through time and space, and all the tension in your body is melting away. Slowly, but surely, Theodore gets closer to a place of tranquil darkness. You are getting drowsier and drowsier. You cannot keep your eyes open. You want to close them, close them, close them. Theodore is now under a deep state of hypnosis, and Isabella puts the crystal aside. Can you hear me, Theodore? Yes. Good. You're now going on a journey, a journey into... The bad dreams you've been experiencing. No harm will come to you at any time during the journey. Do you understand? Yes. Very good. When I snap my fingers, you'll be instantly transported back to the fatal moment in 1979. One, two, three. Isabella snaps her fingers. Interior plane, day 1979. Through his mind's eye, Theodore is on the plane as his, quote, reincarnation. He sees it through that person's POV. Oh, my God. What's wrong, Theodore? Uh, I'm on the plane, and I see a pair of black hands holding some sort of magazine. The black man, whose face cannot be seen, puts the magazine down. He shifts his attention to the face of a woman. He's looking at someone. Who is it? A lady. Uh, An Asian lady. She's smiling at him. Theodore sees her name tag. What's her name, Theodore? Samantha. Samantha Chang. He sees the man give Samantha a kiss. He's getting up from his seat. He's he's headed towards the laboratory. What else does he see? He sees rows of couples. The guys are wearing tuxedos and the ladies are wearing dresses. Interior, plain laboratory continuous. Theodore continues to see through this man's point of view. He's in the laboratory now. He's looking himself in the mirror. I see his face. A, A black face. There's a name tag below his face. What is his name? It, it's it's on backwards, but but he's gonna die. They're all they're all gonna die. Jesus Christ! Interior Isabella's place. Day back to present. Theodore sweats and breathes heavily. Breathe deeply, Theodore. All you see now is snow, white and peaceful. It's falling gently to the ground. He calms down. When I count to three, you will awaken to the present and feel very refreshed. A one, two, three. Isabella snaps, and Theodore awakens from his hypnotic state. What happened? 
How long was I under there? A few minutes. Theodore slowly recovers from his rest. When he feels his forehead, it's filled with perspiration. Oh, Jesus, I'm sweating like a hog. I must have, must have had one shitty trip I took. You were seeing things through the eyes of someone who died in that 1978 plane explosion. I know the day it happened, March 15th, my wife's birthday. All of a sudden, Theodore is disturbed by images in his head. Flashback, interior, terrorist headquarters, day. A group of terrorists are in military comp- are in a military compound that they've taken over. They're posing for a photo. Interior Isabella's place, day, back to present. Theodore stares into space when Isabella calls out his name. Theodore! What is it? He looks back at her. Uh, sorry, I just had something pop in my head. Some guys in wartime gear? I, I swear I don't remember seeing that while I was under. Wait a minute, the, the guy's black name tag. You know his name now. It was backwards in the mirror. It, it had the name Andrew Thomas. Was Andrew Thomas the man who died as you in your past life? Just the thought of that shit scares, just the thought of that scares the shit out of me. Interior car day. Theodore drives toward the meeting, his mind occupied with the session with Isabella and the startling image of the men in wartime gear. He checks his watch. It's a half hour before the meeting. Interior, Carol Tesler's living room day. A conversation brews between Nancy and Carol Tesler, mid-30s, an African-American woman who's a good friend of Nancy's. Nightmares of a plane crash? That's odd. Did he lose a loved one recently or something? Not that I know of. I know that's not stopping him from working himself sick, though. Nancy stops in the middle of a sentence when her eyes get transfixed on Carol's fireplace. What's wrong, Nancy? Nancy stares at the fireplace. Flashback, interior living room day. A black man and an Asian woman make love in front of a fireplace and kiss passionately. Interior Carol's living room day, back to present. Nancy has a petrified look on her face. Nancy. Nancy finally wakes from her trance and looks at Carol. I'm sorry, Carol. Where did you go just now? You didn't look yourself. Oh, it was nothing. Mm, well, that's some nothing. You sure you're all right? Nancy nods her head. I'm fine, Really? Uh, you were uh, saying something about your husband? Uh, uh, yeah, t- uh, Teddy's rushing to get that report done. Knowing him, he's coming through with flying colors right now. <clears throat> Interior Anthony Group Advertising Conference Room Day. Mr. Harris moderates a meeting in the conference room. Other people taking part are Barbara Austin, mid-30s, Director of Media Marketing, and Reggie Foster, late 20s, Mr. Austin's assistant, and Kevin, who sits next to Theodore on time for the meeting. Adding more sex appeal would make perfect sense for our calendar. Like that Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar. That's right, a big seller for them every year. Sex sells, definitely. Kevin turns to Theodore. Am I right, Teddy? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bennett, you have this calendar with you? Uh, it's in my folder, sir. Let's see what you've done. Interior Anthony Group Advertising, conference room later. Mr. Harris, Miss Austin, Mr. Foster, and Kevin look at Theodore's efforts. Mr. Harris shakes his head, disapproving. What's the meaning of this? Uh, Mr. Harris, I can explain that the border is... I don't want to hear it, Mr. Bennett. You only got half the calendar done. I wanted all of it done. I was working really hard on it, sir, but I was distracted. What could possibly distract you from uh, keep helping us with this project, Teddy? I was running an errand for my wife. What was that, buying the new Victoria's Secret catalog? What's up with you, Teddy? Do you have any idea what kind of fools you've made us? Mr. Harris, I seldom slack off like this. You know my work. That's why you were put on the highest profile project. Now you've single-handedly set it back weeks. I can look. I can go to my office and finish up the calendar. Give me a few extra hours. I can. I can make this right. You've blown your chance, Mr. Bennett. Theodore sighs and looks at Kevin. 
I'm so sorry I screwed up, Kev. Please forgive me, man. He touches Kevin on the shoulder. Flashback, exterior street day. Officers Andrew Thomas and Randy Tennant, two black men in their mid-30s, chase down a robbery suspect in his mid-20s. Freeze! Give it up, asshole! The two cops catch the robbery sus- catch up to the robbery suspect, and Andrew drags him down. Let go of me. After a brief struggle, Andrew takes out his gun and points it at the suspect's head. Make another move. Go ahead. I dare you. Randy catches up with Andrew. You good, Andy? Yeah, man. I got him. Interior, Anthony Group advertising, conference room, day, back to present. Theodore has a freaked out look on his face. Snap out of it, Teddy. He lets go of Kevin, then looks at Mr. Harris. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Harris. I think I'm losing it. That is an understatement. You are fired from this project. I'm not sure I can trust you with anything at this point. Please get out of my sight. Theodore shakes his head, looks at Kevin, Mr. Foster, and Miss Austin. You screwed up big time, buddy. Theodore slowly walks out of the conference room. Interior, Theodore's office day. Theodore sits in his chair as he looks at his unfinished calendar, and Donna comes in with a cup of coffee. For you, sir. Put it on the desk, Donna. I think Mr. Harris is being way too harsh. We can fix the calendar, can't we? Theodore puts the calendar down and looks at Donna. He takes a breath. I'm afraid that won't be possible. Oh, yes, it is. We can stay late. I'll work overtime with you. He looks at Donna and smiles at her. It's not the end of the world, Donna. I still have my job. What about your coffee? Theodore sighs. Not in the mood for coffee. He kisses Donna on the cheek, and suddenly, without warning, Theodore has another vision. Flashback, interior plane, day, 1979. Theodore sees the flight attendant, mid-twenties, make an announcement to the passengers on the flight. We are making our final descent into Los Angeles. Interior, Theodore's office, day, back to present. Theodore looks at Donna with a spooked look on his face. Are you okay, Mr. Bennett? He takes a moment to clear his head. Uh, No, Donna. No, I'm not okay. I, I need to get some fresh air ASAP. He puts his papers back in his work folder. He's about to leave the office. When he pauses, then looks back at Donna. Where's the nearest bookstore? Exterior Anthony Group Advertising, parking lot, day. Theodore slowly walks toward his Porsche. Why can't I think straight? All these goddamn visions. Gotta be, there's got to be an answer to this. Interior Barnes & Noble, bookshop, day. Theodore browses around the New Age section as he searches for books about reincarnation. He finds a book that probes an investigation into past lives. He takes the book to the counter. Interior Sacramento Public Library, microfilm room, night. Theodore looks at the 1979 article about the plane crash. He reaches into his pocket and gets out some change. He puts the change into a slot and prints a copy of the article. Interior, Theodore's room, night. Theodore is on the phone as he takes another look at the photograph of the exploding plane. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow morning at 9. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. If, if he'll be there. No, no, assistant editor. I know he's a busy man. Well, so am I. Look, tell him about the article... Tell him about what the article and what I said. He won't reschedule. He hangs up the phone, looks at Leonard Will's name, which is above a photo, and takes out a pen and puts an oval around Will's name. Interior Bennett residence, bedroom night. Theodore and Nancy are in, are in bed as they talk. You got fired? Theodore nods his head. <sighs> fired from the project, not from the job. Lucky to still have that. Blessed is more like it. Nancy gives him a hug. Did you see her? Isabella? Yeah, yeah, I saw her today. How'd it go? It was wild. Wild? Tell me about it. Well, she she had me revisit the nightmare. It was actually minutes before the explosion this time. I was on the plane as, as someone else was... Uh, Nancy's perplexed. Someone else? Yeah. 
honey, I know, I know it sounds off the wall. I was looking at a magazine, then I saw an Asian lady's face. An Asian lady? Yeah, I, I was sitting next to her. And then what? Then I went to the lavatory, and I saw the name tag. What was his name? Nancy, I know it's going to sound surreal, but I may be the reincarnation of... Of who? Teddy. I may have lived before as a black man named Andrew Thomas. Nancy looks away from Teddy. Did you hear what I just said, Nancy? She nods. Well, then say something. When Theodore touches Nancy on the shoulder, he has another vision. Flashback, exterior, Meadowview Park, day, 1979. Samantha Chang, 32, a lovely Asian woman, is taking a nice walk in the park. Interior bedroom, night, back to present. Theodore breathes heavily, and Nancy looks at him. What's wrong now, Teddy? I just had another vision. On the plane? No, not on the plane. First I'm having nightmares in my sleep. Now I'm having visions when I'm awake. What the hell is happening to me? Nancy hugs Theodore to comfort him. Exterior, Sacramento Union parking lot day. Theodore's Porsche pulls into the parking garage. Interior, Sacramento Union main office day. Theodore talks to a secretary in her mid-30s, and he shows her the article. I've got an appointment with uh, Leonard Will. Oh, so you're the one interested in our chief's early work. Why that article? Did you know someone was killed on that flight? No, I'm, I'm just interested in talking to him about the article. It's a project for a friend of mine. Okay, well, Leonard's down the hall, last office on the left. Thanks. Theodore starts his walk towards Leonard Will's office, and he takes the article with him. Interior, Leonard Will's office, day. Theodore waits patiently as Leonard Will, mid-60s, the Sacramento Union's editor-in-chief, looks at the 1979 article of the plane explosion. Curious, Mr. Bennett. Why are you interested in something that happened 38 years ago? Leonard notices the oval around his name. A fan of my work, eh? He gives the newspaper clipping back to Theodore. Actually... Theodore sighs. I'm just interested in finding out more about the passengers who died in the explosion. May I ask why? Theodore tries hard to find the right words to say to Leonard. I want to find out if, if a guy named Andrew Thomas was on the plane. Is, is he a relative? Theodore nods his head. <laughs> this happened so long ago, I, I don't remember the details of the passenger manifest. Do you know anyone who might? Leonard hesitates for a moment. My assistant editor retired a couple years ago, but he did all the research for me back in the day. He may be able to help you. What's his name? Exterior, Bing Maloney Golf Course, 8th hole, day. Peter Gordon, early 70s, takes a mighty swing. He sees Theodore walking towards him, and he puts the putter down. Uh, Peter Gordon? Peter sighs. Who's asking? Theodore extends his hand to Peter. Uh, my name's Theodore Bennett, and I'm a huge fan of yours. Peter gives Theodore a dirty look. He doesn't want to shake hands with him. Theodore puts his hand down. Who sent you up here to snoop on me? Uh, your old editor said you could help me find information on my relative. He was killed in a plane. Uh, he was killed in that 1979 plane explosion over Los Angeles. Well, since you're a relative, you should know a lot more about that explosion than me. Not <laughs> about the explosion. Uh, no one in the family talks about it. You're not planning on doing a movie of the week on it, are you? No, nothing like that. You have my word. Well, Leonard sent you, so you must check out. I do. Strictly off the record. Peter looks surprised. I didn't think I'd ever hear someone say those three words to me again in my lifetime. <laughs> Interior, Bing Maloney Golf Course Cafe Day. Theodore asks Peter questions about the plane crash as he shows him the article. A hundred passengers killed on the plane. I'd like to see a copy of the manifest, if you have it. I want to find out if Andrew Thomas was on that flight. Peter takes a deep breath. In fact, I actually do remember that name. Was he black? 
I don't have photos of the passengers with me, but I believe he was. There's a lady sitting next to him, some Chinese lady. Theodore has dread written all over his face. He looks away from Peter momentarily, then looks back at him. Was her name Samantha Chang? Let me give you that copy. Peter digs into his old folder and gets out a copy of the manifest. He gives it to Theodore, who immediately opens it. He frantically searches for the names of Andrew and Samantha, and he's shocked beyond words when he sees the names next to each other on the seating chart. Jesus Christ, that's them. That, that's Andrew and Samantha. Theodore, his face flushed, gives the manifest back to Thank Peter. Thank you for your time, Mr. Gordon. Theodore slowly gets up and starts to walk away when Peter asks him a question. Don't you want to know where their bodies are buried? Theodore stops where he is and walks back to Peter. I'm afraid to ask, but yeah. Exterior, Quiet Haven Memorial Park Day. Theodore gets out of the car and walks into the cemetery. As he walks his way around Quiet Haven, he notices the tombstones, all of which have something in common. All of the tombstones represent the people on the plane, all of whom died on the same day, March 15th, 1979. Theodore gets an even bigger shock when he sees two particular tombstones, the ones for Andrew Thomas and Samantha Chang. He sees the timeline below Andrew's name. Born March 13th, 1944. Died March 15th, 1979. Then he looks at the timeline below Samantha's name. Born February 8th, 1947. Died March 15th, 1979. He stares into space and then... Holy shit. Samantha died at 32. Nancy's going to be 32 on her next birthday. Exterior running track day. As Kevin jogs around the track, Theodore catches up with him. Kev, I need to talk to you. Kevin looks irritated when he sees Theodore. Leave me alone. It's important. Don't have time, Kevin. Just just one question, (laughs) I swear. Kevin sighs. Make it quick. Do you believe in reincarnation? What kind of question is that? Do, Do you believe it or not? No. Why do you ask? Remember that mystery lady I was telling you about the other day? Yeah, I remember. Well, I I met her at the firehouse not too long ago. She believes I've lived a past life. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Listen to me. She says I died in a plane explosion three years before I was born. You have any idea how whacked out that sounds? Look, before this week, it may have sounded whacked, but it makes sense with the nightmares I've been having. Enough. They stop running. She's screwed with your head, Teddy, big time. You need help. A lot of it. Kevin is about to resume his run when Theodore grabs him by the arm and gets another vision. Flashback, exterior basketball court day, 1979. Andrew and Randy sit on the bench before their game of one-on-one. We work together. We play together. We battle to the end together. The two of them shake hands. (laughs) Exterior running track day, back to present. Theodore lets go of Kevin's arm. Oh my god. You. Me? What's with you, man? This is going to sound off the wall, but I saw you as my partner. Let me guess. In my past life. A pause. Answer me, Teddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I saw. You know, I can't be around someone who's losing his touch with the real world. If and when you get it back, let me know. Theodore looks on as Kevin resumes his jog. Interior Bennett Residence Kitchen Day. Theodore sits at the table, and he's got a disturbed look on his face. Flashback. Exterior Quiet Quiet Haven Memorial Park Day. Andrew Thomas's grave lies amongst the many tombstones at Quiet Haven. Interior Kitchen Day. Back to present. Theodore has trouble shaking away the image of Andrew's grave. The phone rings in the bedroom, and he gets up to answer it. Interior Bedroom Day. Theodore's on the phone again with Susan. Did the two tombstones help you remember anything more? I saw myself as one of the passengers. He's a black guy named Andrew Thomas, and and he's a cop. Well, you're slowly getting back your memory about your past life. 
I'm very pleased about that. You should consider seeing that hypnotist again. I don't know about that, Susan. In fact, I'm not sure if I even want to explore this any further. But you've made so much progress, Theodore. Keep walking the path and you'll have all the answers. Susan hangs up and Theodore puts the phone back on the cradle. Interior hotel room day. Susan sits in front of the mirror and she sighs. Dream sequence. Interior Andrew Thomas's living room day. Andrew makes love to an Asian woman in front of the fireplace and they kiss passionately. And we suddenly shift to interior terrorist headquarters day. A couple of terrorists talk as they put a sensitive device... Which is, on, which is set on a timer inside a rectangular-shaped box. Our sacrifices will be honored for many years, my brothers. Can you, tell us n- can you tell us now where we're going? We have done everything you told us. This is true. But we all had to be tested for our loyalty. I only found out the target this morning. What is the mission? We leave tonight for Sacramento International Airport. There are many flights to Los Angeles from there, and we will know which flight soon after we arrive. Interior bedroom day, back to reality. Theodore wakes up from his nightmare. Christ. What What am I supposed to do with this shit? He sighs. I can't stop something that's already happened. Exterior lunch cafe day. Nancy and Carol have lunch as they talk. I haven't told Teddy yet, but I plan to fly to L.A. for my birthday. What's in L.A.? Who's in L.A. is the real question. A beat? Well... Who are you seeing? Good friend. Well, why don't we drive to Avon and get something for your big day? I got a better idea. Let's shop for my friend, because she's got a birthday coming up as well. Well, sounds great. You drive. I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? Suddenly, Uh, Nancy stares out into space and flashback interior car day 1979. Samantha talks with Andrew as she drives him to work. There's nothing to see in Los Angeles, Sam. I grew up there and I left. End of story. Samantha sighs. Baby, please don't do this again. I'm not marrying a ghost. Mrs. Andrew Thomas will know her husband's roots, whether he likes it or not. Andrew smiles at her. And you won't enter any more of those goofy wedding contests if I do this, right? If I, if it doesn't work out, no more promotions. Promise. I'm holding you to it. Till <laughs> death do us part. Exterior lunch cafe day, back to present. Carol tries to bring, Carol tries to bring Nancy back to reality. Um... Earth to Nancy. Carol touches Nancy on the shoulder, and Nancy looks at her. Sorry, uh, must have zoned out. Are you sure that's all it was? Positive, yeah. Interior Avon store day. As Nancy and Carol look around the Avon store, they get help from Kathy, an Avon lady in her late 20s. Is there something you ladies are looking for? We're Hmm. looking for a box large enough to fit a dress in. Yeah, she's got something for her friend's birthday. She's getting something for her friend's birthday. I've got the perfect box for you. Kathy takes out a shiny rectangular red box, and Nancy's eyes are transfixed on the red box. Flashback, interior flower shop day, 1979. Andrew gives Samantha a bunch of red roses. For me, they're lovely. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew and Samantha hug each other. Interior Avon store, back to present. Carol sees Nancy's glazed look. Nancy. Nancy snaps out of her dream state. Uh, Yeah, it's perfect. What would you like to put in the box? Nancy thinks about it for a moment, and then she looks at Kathy. Something that marks the start of a better life. Interior, Isabella's place, day. Isabella once again puts Theodore under hypnosis with her large, sparkling crystal. You are descending into a state of total relaxation. Don't fight it, Theodore. Just follow the crystal with your eyes and think of nothing else. Theodore's eyes start getting heavier. You can't keep your eyes open. They're closing, closing. Closing. Once Theodore is completely under, Isabella sets the crystal aside. You are now in a deep, 
deep sleep, you are at peace listening to the sound of my voice. Can you hear me? Yes. Good. I want you to go back to 1979. I want you to go back to the day before the explosion. You'll be there at the snap of my fingers. One, two, three. You are there now. What do you see? Interior, Andrew Thomas's house, living room, day, 1979. Theodore, in a hypnotic state, sees Andrew and Samantha making love near the fireplace. I'm in Andrew's living room. He's at the fireplace with Samantha. What are they doing, Theodore? Theodore listens in on the conversation between Andrew and Samantha and sighs. What's wrong? Every day as a cop, I put my life on the line. Before you came along, I would have gladly given it. Now, I don't want to waste a second without you. I want a new life. A life without guns. A life without criminals. I don't want you to do this and resent me later. It's a deal. The two of them get up from the floor and Andrew comes closer to Samantha. Samantha Chang, will you marry me? Samantha comes to the brink of tears. Oh my god. I don't know what's in my future, but I know I don't want a future without you. Andrew reaches into his pocket and shows Samantha an engagement ring. He gets down on one knee as he puts the ring on her finger. Yes, Andrew Thomas. I'll marry you. The two of them hug quietly. Interior, Andrew's room, day. Before he starts to pack, Andrew gets on the phone to make a call. Interior police station, Randy Tennant's office, day. Randy's in his office as he looks up at some mugshots. The phone rings and he picks it up. Officer Tennant? Intercut. Randy, I did it. Did what? I asked Sam to marry me. She said yes. Randy shows exuberance on his face. I I can't believe it, Andy. Congratulations. Thanks, brother. (laughs) When's the big day? Oh, tomorrow morning. Sam and I are going to a flight on L.A. with couples for as part of this special wedding promotion. Maybe if if mine had been a promotion, she'd have stayed longer than a day. Give me a break. You were in Vegas, (laughs) drunk off your ass. They both laugh. (sighs) I gotta start packing. You take care, man. Randy hangs up the phone. Interior, Andrew's room continuous. Andrew hangs up the phone, and he smiles. Andrew was going on the plane with Samantha. They were starting a new life together. Interior, Isabella's place, day, back to present. Theodore is in a very relaxed state of hypnosis as Isabella guides him. Theodore... I want you now to jump ahead to a half hour before the flight's departure. When I snap my fingers, you will be at the airport. One, two, three. Interior, Sacramento International Airport, restroom day, 1979. Andrew is in the restroom washing his hands. He sees someone else come in. A man named Taylor, early 30s, with a rectangular-shaped clock in his hands. What Andrew doesn't know is that Taylor is a terrorist. How are you doing? Fine. Andrew sees Taylor's gift, and Taylor carefully puts the clock inside the sink. That's a nice-looking clock. Taylor looks at Andrew. Thank you. It's a gift for my fiancé. That's funny. I'm engaged, too. A beat. Well, we're both wearing the same tuxedos. You must be going on the same flight as I am. Taylor starts to get nervous. Yes, I I am. uh, I don't mean to be rude, sir, but I just want some uh, time alone. Of course. Andrew leads the restroom, much to Taylor's relief. Taylor looks around the restroom to make sure no one's watching him, and then gets back to his business. He's setting the clock on a particular time. Taylor reaches into his pocket and gets out a small gray box. He's putting the clock inside some box. When he gets to the clock safety, safely inside, when he gets the clock safely inside the box, he walks out of the restroom. Mm. Interior Sacramento International Airport security check day. A security officer is checking items for each passenger by way of the x-ray device. Andrew and Samantha put their things inside the device with no problems. They're about to walk out 
They're about to walk their way towards the plane when suddenly they see Taylor rush into the security check. What's the problem, sir? No problem. I just really need to give this antique clock to my fiance, and I want to bring it on the flight. You need to put it on the x-ray device, sir. Uh, Of course. Taylor puts the clock inside the device. Oh, my God. There's a bomb in that clock. The clock goes to the device without incident. You're good. Is it possible for it to be locked up uh, on board? Uh, I can take it when we land. That shouldn't be a problem. Thank you. Taylor walks away with the clock as he catches up with Andrew and Samantha. You all set, buddy? I am now. I, I, now I can focus on giving this gift to my fiancé. Oh, is she on the plane already? Yes, she is. Uh, I don't want to keep her waiting. The three of them walk towards the plane. Jesus, the bomb's going on that plane. Interior, Isabella's place. Day, back to present. Theodore's panicking. It's all right, Theodore. You are only observing. Nothing will happen to you. Trust me. Now let's jump ahead to the flight, just minutes before the explosion. I can't. I need you to go inside the plane, Theodore. It will be difficult, but it's the only way to get the answers you seek. Are you ready? Theodore calms down a bit. Yes. When I snap my fingers, you will be on the plane. Interior plane day, 1979. Theodore, still in his hypnotic state, is now inside the doomed plane. What do you see, Theodore? Uh, I see rows of couples. The guys are dressed in black, the ladies are dressed in white, and they're all wearing name tags. Where are Andrew and Samantha? Theodore stops when he sees Andrew and Samantha. Andrew reads a magazine when he sees Samantha with a concerned look on her face. What's wrong? I feel like bride number 20, not Sam, not special. Baby, it shouldn't be any less special. What time is it? Andrew checks his watch. It's uh, 9.20. He looks back at the magazine, puts it down, and looks to Samantha. Need to fresh up a little. Andrew kisses Samantha, then gets up from his seat and heads towards the laboratory. Suddenly, the scene shifts to interior plane cockpit area continuous. Theodore sees something inside the compartment that's a few feet away from the pilot. Jesus Christ. What's wrong, Theodore? What do you see now? Uh, I'm, I'm in the cockpit area, and I see... The clock's inside the compartment. It's ticking. It's the, it's the bomb. Interior Isabella's place. Day back to present. Fear and dread have taken over Theodore's face. Oh my face. god, Andrew and Samantha are going to die. They're, they're all going to die. Interior plane, 1979. Andrew returns to his seat. You okay? I feel pretty good, but I'll feel even better after you and I do this. Andrew and Samantha get into a kiss. Ooh. Meanwhile, the flight attendant stands near the front of the plane, and she smiles at the passengers as she makes an announcement. Attention passengers, we are making our final descent into Los Angeles. We should be landing in 15 minutes. Interior plane cockpit area continuous. The clock ticks down to its last seconds before 9.23, the time of detonation. The seconds tick away. 15, 14, 13... What else do you see, Theodore? Time running out. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Exterior blue sky plane continuous. The plane is completely destroyed and a thousand pieces scatter all over the clear blue sky. Samantha! Interior Bennett residence, living room day. Nancy comes in and she brings the red rectangular box with her. Interior bedroom continuous. Nancy Nancy takes the box and she carefully puts it underneath the bed. Interior living room continuous. Nancy is about to settle down when she sees Theodore at the door. She notices the scared look on his face and she walks towards him. What's wrong, honey? You act like you've just seen a ghost. Something worse. Interior kitchen day. Theodore paces the floor while Nancy sits down. Are you sure about this, Teddy? I thought it was a bunch of bullshit, honey, but it it's the truth. How exactly did you die? One of the passengers was a terrorist. He planted a bomb on that plane. That's what killed them all. 
The plane blew up at 9.23 a.m. It happened 38 years ago tomorrow on your birthday. Nancy shakes her head. That's bizarre. Who were you in your previous life? I was a man named Andrew Thomas, and he was black. He he had a fiancé with him on that plane, an Asian lady. Her name was uh, Samantha Chang. Nancy has a sullen look on her face, for she realizes that Theodore now knows the truth about her past life. This may be hard to believe, Nancy, but you were Samantha in your past life. I know that now. Nancy tries to show her fear of being found out. Me living a past life as an Asian lady. I gotta admit, Teddy... Nancy cannot finish her sentence. Strange, I know, but it's true. We both live past lives, Nancy. I think it's a sign that we were destined for each other. Nancy makes an effort to keep her emotions intact. I'm taking a flight to L.A. tomorrow to see a friend. Theodore is suddenly concerned. Wait a minute. Tomorrow will not only be your birthday, it will also mark the day of the explosion in 1979. Can't it wait till Saturday? You're being silly, Teddy. It's only a coincidence. What if it's not? Nothing's going to happen to me, honey. I promise. She kisses Theodore, and then she walks out of the kitchen. He starts to follow her, but he stops in his tracks. Interior bedroom continuous. Nancy starts to cry. The realization of her past life being found out is too much for her to handle. Interior Theodore's room night. Theodore sits in his chair as he talks to Susan on the phone. I may not have believed in reincarnation before, but I certainly believe in it now. How do you feel about having lived before? I don't know how to feel. The only thing I feel right now is that maybe I would have been better off not knowing any of this. Well, at least now you know the truth. Susan, you said that you were on that plane. Who were you? Oh, I don't think you're ready for me to tell you that. I am damn ready for you to tell me. No more games, lady. Tell me who you were in your past life. Tell me! Now, Susan! When I meet you again, Theodore, I will tell you. Where? The line goes dead. Susan? Theodore slams the phone down on the cradle, and he calms down and takes a couple more deep breaths. Interior hotel room night. Susan looks at herself in the mirror, her face filled with shame and regret. Interior bedroom night. Theodore lies next to Nancy, who sleeps peacefully after her crying episode earlier that day. When he closes his eyes and goes to sleep, all of Theodore's worries dissolve for the night. Dream sequence. Exterior blue blue sky plane day. An American Airlines flight goes smoothly until the plane blows up. Interior bedroom day back to reality. Theodore wakes up from the nightmare. Jesus Christ. Another plane crash? He settles down, but when he doesn't see Nancy sleeping with him, he starts to panic. Nancy? Nance, where are you, honey? He doesn't see her. He goes to the bathroom. Theodore's eyes get hold of a closed note from Nancy's dresser back in the bedroom. Fear starts to creep inside his head. Interior bedroom continuous. Theodore slowly walks toward Nancy's dresser, gets the note, opens it, and starts to read. I'll love you in this life and the next. Nancy. He throws the note into the trash bin. He rushes to interior Theodore's room continuous. Theodore gets the telephone directory, and he scans through the pages until he finds the airport's number. Well, he, he grabs the cell phone and dials the number. What's the next flight to Sac- from Sacramento to Los Angeles? When does it take off? In an hour? He hangs up the phone, finds the newspaper article, and puts it inside his pants pocket. Exterior driveway continuous. Theodore locks the door and rushes to his car. He fumbles the car keys. Bitch, let me see you. There you are. He turns the key and gets himself back into the car. He turns on the ignition, backs up, and starts his way toward the airport. Interior taxi cab day. Nancy checks her watch, which says 810. The cab driver, late 50s, talks to her. Where are you headed? Airport. uh, I'm catching a flight to L.A. 
Going to Hollywood, eh? Making a movie? Meeting a friend there, actually. Is she in the business? No, she's a normal person, if you can call her that. <laughs> Nancy has her friend's gift firmly in her hands. Interior Theodore's car day. Theodore drives faster than usual on his way to the airport. Freeway continuous. The Porsche speeds up to 75 miles an hour. It gets the attention of a police car. Interior car continuous. Theodore hears the police car's siren. He looks at his outside rearview mirror and sighs. Exterior freeway continuous. Theodore's Porsche comes to a complete stop out of the freeway and onto the shoulder. The cop, late 20s, inside the police car stops as well, and he turns off the lights and the siren. He gets out of the car and approaches Theodore. Interior car continuous. Theodore hangs his head down on the steering wheel. The cop knocks on Theodore's car window, and he rolls it down. I know what it looks like, officer, but if you'll just hear License me... License and registration. But I, I... Now. Theodore stares at the cop. Exterior Sacramento International Airport, day. The cab driver stops at the unloading area. Nancy takes the gift and gets out of the cab. Nancy walks to the cab driver and smiles. She puts the box down and reaches into her wallet. How much? $9.23. She pulls out $10 and gives it to the cab driver. After she has given her change, Nancy gives him a $5 tip. The cab driver gets in the cab and drives away. Meanwhile, Nancy takes the red box and walks her way through the revolving doors. Interior car day. Theodore checks his watch and he looks at the cop. I have 45 minutes to meet my wife at the airport before she leaves. The cop doesn't say a word. Officer, if it will make you happy, give me a speeding ticket, but would you make it fast? Sir, I need to see your license and registration, or I'll have to ask you to get out of the car. Theodore and the cop stare at each other for a moment. Then Theodore takes out his license and gives it to the cop. Where's your registration? I was in such a hurry, I must have left it at home. Look, could you give me my license back so I can go? Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to get out of the car. But it's a matter of life and death. Get out of the car now. Theodore hesitates, and then he reluctantly gets out of the car. Interior Sacramento Airport, security area, day. Nancy puts the red box in the conveyor belt, and she walks through the metal detector. The detector beeps, and the security guard comes to Nancy. Empty your pockets, ma'am. She empties her pockets. After she puts her house keys in the small dish, she walks through the metal detector again. You're clear. Nancy takes the house keys and puts them back in her pocket. She takes the red box with her as well. Freeway day. Theodore is now being frisked by the cop. A life is on the line. I gotta be there to save her. As the cop continues to frisk him, Theodore checks his watch. 43 minutes to departure. Now turn towards me, nice and slow. He turns to face the cop, and he sees the license in the cop's hand. Theodore reaches for the license, but the cop pulls his gun at him. Try it again! I dare you! Try it again! Are you kidding me? I, I gotta get to the airport! Shut up! Just shut up! Now stay where you are! Theodore runs toward the cop, and the two get into a scuffle. After the brief struggle, Theodore knocks the cop down, and he sees the license on the pavement, picks it up. Don't get up. The cop catches his breath as he tries to get back up. I said don't get up! Theodore runs toward the Porsche. Once he gets back in the car, he drives away. Meanwhile, the cop gets back on his feet and rushes to the car. Interior Sacramento International Airport, day. Nancy walks toward the gate for her flight, and after a long walk, she sees the gate. Interior car, day. Theodore swerves his way past cars, and he pounds on the steering wheel. Interior Sacramento Airport, gate C9 day. Nancy sits at her seat as she waits for the plane to arrive. She looks back toward the window, then she focuses her attention on the red box that stands next to her. Interior car day. As he drives, Theodore sees a particular exit, not a moment too soon. Exterior Sacramento Airport, parking lot day. Theodore arrives at the airport. The Porsche finds one of the few vacant spots in the parking lot, and it parks there. Interior car day. Theodore takes the keys out of the ignition and gets out of the car. He locks the door. Exterior Sacramento International Airport continuous. Theodore runs toward the airport. He just escapes being hit by a couple of cars, and an angry driver rolls down the window. Watch where you're going, asshole. He gets to the revolving doors and <laughs> enters. 
Interior Sacramento Airport continuous. Theodore checks out all the signs as he tries to find American Airlines. When he does, he sees a receptionist in her mid-30s there. He runs to her for help. I have to find my wife. Oh, do you have a boarding pass, sir? No, I'm not trying to board. I just want to get my wife off. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I can't allow you to pass this point without a ticket or a boarding pass. Please, just let me through. I need to warn her. Uh, about what, sir? That plane is going to explode. The receptionist pauses. I'm calling security. There's no time for that. You've got to cancel the flight. Theodore takes out the newspaper article and shows it to the receptionist. This is going to sound crazy, but it's the truth. My wife is the reincarnation of a woman who died in this plane crash 38 years ago today. He sighs as she puts the article, but as he puts the article back in his pocket. If you don't cancel the flight, everyone on that plane is going to die. And that includes my wife. Interior police car day. The cop drives as he gets on his walkie-talkie. Dispatch, this is Unit 42. Need an APB on a white male, mid-30s, driving a red Porsche near the airport. He's armed and dangerous. Over. Puts down the walkie-talkie. International, interior, international airport, day. Theodore continues his efforts to prevent history from repeating itself. Well, call security, do something, but cancel the flight now. The receptionist hesitates, then she puts up the phone to, the con- to contact security. Um, there's a man here whose wife is on flight 204 to Los Angeles. He claims that this plane is going to explode, and he wants us to cancel the flight. Yes, sir, he seems quite serious. Okay, good, I'll tell him that. She gets off the phone. Sir, the flight is being canceled. Security will search the plane for explosives. Theodore breathes a sigh of relief. Thank you so much. You're a, a lifesaver. Now, what gate did the passengers depart? Gate C9. I have to see Nancy. He runs toward gate C9. Sir, you can't get on that plane. Exterior Sacramento Airport parking lot day. Four patrol cars drive through the parking lot in search of Theodore's car. Interior patrol car continuous. The cop is on the search when his eyes spot a certain Porsche. He gets on his walkie-talkie. Dispatch, this is Unit 42. I found the suspect's car. He's got to be inside the airport. I'm going in. Where's backup? Interior, Sacramento Airport, gate C9 day. Theodore looks out the window. As he waits for the passengers to get off the plane, he clasps his hands in prayer mode. Come on, Nancy, get off that plane. Suddenly, airport security men come to the gate. Sir, you have to come with us. Theodore turns around and sees the security men. Look, I want to see my wife get off the plane first. No. You're going to have to come with us first. I'm not leaving without Nancy. International airport continuous. The cop and his fellow cops talk to the receptionist. We're looking for a white male in his mid-30s. He's wearing a burgundy shirt and dark blue pants. He ran to gate C9 without any paperwork. Security has him in custody waiting for you. We had to cancel a flight because he threatened to blow up the plane. I was afraid of that. Where's gate C9? Interior, international airport, gate C9 continuous. Theodore finds himself in a tight situation with the airport security man. Sir, calm down. You are not going anywhere near that plane. I have to see if she's okay. Why wouldn't she be? We canceled the flight like you demanded. The passengers will be will deboard any moment. As Theodore looks back at the plane outside, the four cops race to the gate and point their guns at him. Hold it right there! Turn around! Slowly! Theodore ignores the cops' commands as he waits for the passenger to get off the plane. Turn around and put your hands up. Theodore finally puts up his hands and he slowly turns around to face the cops. Look, I'm not here to cause trouble. I just want to see my wife, Nancy. And I don't want the pl- and I don't plan to leave without her. Don't do anything stupid. You don't want to get shot, do you? Theodore hesitates. Get on the floor. I'm not going to tell you again. As he slowly gets down on his knees, Theodore starts having another past life vision. Flashback, exterior back alley night. Andrew is surrounded by a quartet of gang members. Each gang member has a baseball bat in his hand. Andrew is down on his knees as he sets his eyes upon one of the bats. You're surrounded, cop. With nowhere to run. And nowhere to hide. 
How are you going to get out of this one, punk? The gang members frisk Andrew. Interior Sacramento Airport Gate C9 Day back to present. While the cops frisk Theodore, he looks at fellow cop number two. He's suddenly freaked out. Flashback Exterior Freeway Day, 1979. Randy has stopped a carjacker who is one of the gang members who gave Andrew a hard time just a few nights ago. Let me see your hands. I'm not going to ask you again. Interior car continuous. The gang member looks at Randy. Whatever you say, cop. The gang member slowly starts to put up his hands, and he suddenly takes out a 357 Magnum. Exterior freeway continuous. Randy pulls out his gun at the gang member, and both men fire their guns as they both get brutally shot in the head. Randy falls to the ground. He, his watch indicates the time of the fatal shooting. 9.23. Interior car continuous. The gang member's head lands on the car seat. Blood is splattered everywhere. Interior Sacramento Airport, gate C9, day, back to present. Theodore sees cop number two as the reincarnation of his past life's killers. Uh, Theodore sees fellow cop number two as the reincarnation of his past life killer's partner's killer, and he snaps. He sets his eyes on fellow cop two's nightstick, and he tries to reach... It with his hands. Theodore places it around the fellow cop's chest. With one blow, he hits the cop's chest. The blow forces cop number two to get down on his knees, and a blow to the head knocks the cop unconscious. Fellow cop one grabs Theodore by his knees as Theodore struggles to reach for the unconscious cop's gun. He shakes his leg in an attempt to free himself from fellow cop one's stranglehold but is unsuccessful. Theodore uses the nightstick, and he hits fellow cop one's hands to free himself. Theodore gets the gun, and he points it at the cop's face. All of you back. Get back on your feet and step up. The cops slowly get up. Now! As the cops step up, Theodore looks back at the window. He sees the passengers start to get off the plane, and he looks back at the cops. Where are the stairs down to the tarmac? You're not going anywhere. Where are the goddamn stairs? The cop points the finger at the staircase, and Theodore tucks the gun underneath his shirt as he runs toward the staircase. Let's get this bastard before he causes any more harm. The cop stays with the unconscious fellow cop while the other cops go after Theodore. Interior staircase continuous. Theodore runs downstairs, running down a couple of floors before he reaches the emergency doors. Exterior arrival area continuous. Theodore sees the passengers getting off the plane, and he rushes toward the plane. Nancy, I'm coming for you, honey. Where are you? Some shouts bring Theodore back to reality. Stop running. Stay right where you are. Give it up. It's over. As he sees the cops approach Theodore, he looks back at the plane. He sees the last of the passengers getting off the plane, but there's one particular woman missing. Where the hell is Nancy? Don't even think about getting on that plane. My wife may still be on that plane. No. I gotta get to her. No way, pal. Freeze! Theodore takes out the gun and points it at the fellow cops. Put the gun down. There's nowhere to run. I'm not leaving without my wife. If your wife is, was among the passengers, she would have gotten off by now. Put the gun down. Now, I won't ask you again. Theodore steps back from the cops, gun still in his hand. I'm getting on that plane, and neither one of you can stop me. If you want to shoot me, then go ahead. After tucking the gun underneath his shirt, Theodore runs up the steps to the plane. Interior plane continuous. Theodore starts his frantic search for Nancy. Where are you, Nancy? I'm coming. He checked every passenger seat, and as he does, he gets the attention of the two security men. Hey, get off the plane. I need to find my wife first. There's no one but us here, sir. Now get off this plane so we can do our job. Not without my wife. I know she's here. The fellow cops come in and point their guns at Theodore. Don't make another move. We have, we know you have the gun tucked under your shirt. Give it to us. There's a bomb on this plane. I said give us the gun. Take out the gun and lay it on the ground. But you have to listen to me. No, this is your last warning. Put the gun down now or we will shoot you. Theodore takes out the gun and lays it on the ground. Now put your hands on top of your head. There is a bomb in the compartment just across the cockpit area. Check it out, please. The fellow cops hesitate 
Then they check the compartment. There's no bomb here. Neither one of us found explosives of any kind. False alarm. No, there can't be. There's a bomb on this plane. There has to be. Put your hands on top of your head! Theodore puts his hands on top of his head, and the cops put handcuffs on him. The three of them get off the plane. Interior, Sacramento Airport, day. Theodore's handcuffed as the cops escort him out of the airport. Out of nowhere, the head cop comes into the picture. Just the son of a bitch I'm looking for. The cop clenches his fist and lets Theodore have it. He knocks Theodore out with one punch. The fellow cops make an immediate effort to subdue the head cop while Theodore is down on the floor. Interior police car day. Theodore is in the backseat of the police car being taken to the police station. Interior police station interrogation room day. Theodore is now in the interrogation room, a bright white light beaming its rays down on him as he's being questioned by a police interrogator in his late 40s. Exterior park, day. Theodore and Nancy take a quiet walk in the park. Oh, I skipped the page. (laughs) So sorry about that, guys. Interrogation room, continuous. I've seen and heard a lot of shit in my 16 years, Mr. Bennett. But this has got to be the shittiest story these years have ever had the misfortune of hearing. Theodore speaks softly. Nancy was on that plane. I know it. Why would you tell everyone that the plane was about to explode when there wasn't any explosives on it? Would you believe it was a premonition? The interrogator knocks his chair aside and gets into Theodore's face. This isn't a joke, buddy. You pissed off a lot of people today. I saved their lives. You threatened their lives. You knocked a cop unconscious. You pointed a gun at three officers. But telling people there's a bomb on a plane clinches it all. Theodore doesn't say a word. What the hell is going on? Theodore finally looks at the interrogator. I was only trying to stop history from repeating itself. I was trying to stop my wife from dying again. Interior, KCRA, Channel 3, Newsroom, Day. Anchor person Lisa Gonzalez reports the top story of the day. We interrupt our normal programming for this breaking story. A bomb scare at Sacramento International Airport. Interior Police Station Day. Theodore is taking mug shots before heading to jail. Local resident Theodore Bennett has been booked on charges for attempting to hijack the 915 morning flight from Sacramento to Los Angeles. His wife Nancy has been missing since the incident occurred. To add to the mystery, the failed hijack attempt occurred on the 38th year anniversary of the tragic mid-air explosion that killed all 100 passengers. Interior KCRA Channel Three newsroom day. Lisa Gonzalez. Lisa Gonzalez continues her report. No explosives were found on the plane, but Mr. Bennett still fears for the safety of his wife. However, the cops confirm that she got on another Sacramento flight to Los Angeles. Interior California State Prison jail cell day. Theodore lays on his cell bed as he starts to daydream. Flashback. Interior wedding chapel day. Theodore and Nancy exchange their wedding vows as they look at each other. Exterior park day. Theodore and Nancy take a quiet walk in the park. I'll love you in this life and the next. Interior jail cell day. Back to present. Theodore's eyes water as they stare at the gray wall. As, as he stares at the gray wall that's above him. A few clanks on the prison bars wake Theodore up from his daydream. He rises from his bed and wipes away the tears from his eyes and walks to the prison guard. Bennett, you're, you've got a visitor. The prison guard opens Theodore's cell and Theodore scratches his head. Nancy? Not, not, in, not unless she's dressed as a man. Interior California State Prison, visiting room day. Theodore has a talk with Kevin on the phone, a solid glass wall separating them. Man, you've gone way over the edge this time. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, Kevin, but it's, it's true. You and I were black cops in a previous life. Yeah, we were. This is the craziest shit I've ever heard. I'm curious, Teddy. How exactly did my previous life end? Um, 
not sure you want to hear that answer. Humor me. You were shot and killed by a carjacker. Whoa. Never mind. What on earth were you thinking, Teddy? You took a cop's gun. I saved their lives. <laughs> At least I thought I did. Here's your reality check, buddy. There wasn't a bomb on that plane, and neither you or I lived past lives. What am I going to do, Kevin? I can't sleep until I know Nancy's all right. She made it fine. The cops confirmed that. Like I won't be convinced until I see her again. Interior jail cell night. Theodore lays on his bed, his eyes glazed. Nancy, I know you're out there somewhere. I'd give anything just to see your lovely face again. His eyes close, and he drifts to sleep. Interior jail cell day. Theodore sits on the bed when the prison guard calls out to him. Bennett, you got a visitor. Theodore sighs. Probably Kevin again. It's a lady this time. Theodore holds his breath. Could it be Nancy? Interior visiting room day. Theodore walks toward the phone area with hopes of seeing Nancy on the other side. However, he's shocked to see who's at the opposite side of the clear glass wall. The last person he expected to see, let alone talk to. Susan. Hello again, Theodore. Theodore reluctantly sits down, and he picks up the phone. What the hell are you doing here, you crazy bitch? How'd you know I was here? Well, let's just say I know my way around Sacramento. I told you on the phone that I'd tell you who I was on the plane when it exploded. I'm a lady of my word. Yeah, this ought to be good. Do you remember meeting someone in the restroom that day before takeoff? As Andrew, of course. Andrew recalls, flashback interior restroom day, 1979. Andrew talking to Taylor as he sees the clock. That's a nice-looking clock. Taylor looks at Andrew. Thank you. It's a gift for my fiancé. Interior visiting room day. Back to present. Theodore looks intently at Susan as he talks. I remember him. I don't know how to tell you this, Theodore. Tell me what? Tell me what, Susan? I am the reincarnation of the man who bombed the plane and killed all those passengers, including Andrew Thomas and Samantha Chain. Theodore's jaw drops as he hears Susan's stunning revelation. You crazy bitch. I I can't believe I'm hearing this. He tries to get himself together, but barely does. Where is she? I don't know who you're talking about. No more bullshit. I know you've done something to Nancy. I didn't didn't see her get off the plane. Tell me where my wife is. I haven't done anything to your wife, Theodore. I swear, if anything happens to her, I'll fucking kill her. Theodore looks around the room (laughs) as he sees security guards watch from a distance. He calms down somewhat. You and Nancy were destined to be together, Theodore. Stop with that destiny crap. Enough. I want to know where Nancy is, and I want to know now. Your wife is safe. How do you know for sure? You, you better not be pulling my chain. Nancy is safe, I assure you. Is she in L.A.? Is she in Burbank? Is she in San Francisco? Where the hell is she? On her way to the clouds. To the clouds? What the hell are you talking about? Susan takes her glasses off. There is something I have to tell you about Nancy. Exterior beach house patio day. It's the previous day, and Nancy sits on a patio in L.A. She looks at the person she's talking to. Catching the 945 flight at the last minute was the right thing to do. When Theodore told me about his past life, I must admit I freaked out. When he knew about my previous life as Samantha Chang, I lost it. She gets the red box. This is for you, Susan. After Nancy puts the red box in the glass table, Susan takes it. Thank you, Nancy. I'll open it when the time is right. I got something for you. Susan picks up a black box that has the same shape, and she puts it on the table. This will help you in your next preparation for the next life. Susan walks away with the red box in her hand. Meanwhile, Nancy looks at the black box and sighs. To my next life. The moment she opens the box, boom. Nancy is killed in an instant, and the patio is completely destroyed. Interior visiting room, day, back to present. Theodore has tears in his eyes and a fuse that is about to go off. 
You loathsome bitch. You loathsome bitch. You killed Nancy. You killed my wife. I want to give you something, Theodore. Something that will reunite you and Nancy. I don't want any goddamn reunion. I wanted her alive. Theodore is stunned when he sees Susan's red box. Jesus Christ, don't open that. It's for you, Theodore. It's your destiny to be with Nancy for all eternity. In the previous life, in this life, and in the next. Theodore stands up. There's a bomb! There's a bomb in that he box! He the attention of the security guard and some of the prisoners. He pounds on the wall trying to get to Susan. The guards come up and try to subdue, subdue him. Susan opens the red box and a horrendous explosion occurs. Interior visiting room later. Rubble and ashes fill the room. Every security guard and prisoner is dead, still, silent, lifeless. The bodies of Theodore and Susan lie together, pieces of glass surrounding them. Exterior quiet haven Memorial Park Day. The tombstones of everyone who died in the prison blast lie ever so quietly. There are two tombstones that lie together. They're the resting places of Theodore and Nancy. Nothing in this world, not even death, can ever keep them apart. Fade out, the end. Cool, guys. That was Destination Yesterday, written by Dexter E. Williams. We will be back in five or ten minutes with him on the line to break apart and break down this very, very interesting script. So stand by. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the Unproduced Table Read, and we have Dexter Williams on the line. Dexter, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Perfect. Dexter, you're calling us from North Carolina, is that right? That is correct, sir. Well, we're very excited to have you. Thank you for letting us read your work on air. We appreciate it. I'm honored and and I'm humbled, and uh, thank you. You did a great job. Thank you so much. I think before we dive into some of the development questions I have, I think we have some burning narrative questions from our panel. Just about, there's a lot of mystery in this script, and I think we just want to clear up some, some details. Rox, you want to start? Oh, yeah. Um, my, my main question for you is, because I'm curious about Nancy, why, why is she so desperate for Theodore not to know about her past life as Samantha? Well, I feel that Nancy is, uh, is something that, uh, that uh, buries so deep that she does not want to uh, let it out, fearing that they're doing so would uh, make things crazy than they already are. Mm-hmm. And she feels like in, the only thing she can do once he knows is kill herself? Well, not necessarily kill herself, but uh, get some more answers and perhaps uh, go to Isabella herself to, to reveal more about her past life. Yeah, I kind of got the impression that she was realizing at the same rate as Theodore. Like, they're kind of realizing independently, but... Maybe she suspected her own paranoia, like as you mentioned, would kind of accelerate the the problems they're dealing with throughout the second act. Is that kind of it? Yeah, something also of that nature. Uh, that's what the screenplay is actually about about uh, about not taking life for granted, and sometimes deals with uh, crazy things that uh, that are beyond comprehension. Mm. And is it something to, um, I don't know if this is kind of like a loop, but once they know, it's kind of always near the, the end for their life anyway. Are they always going to die at 32 and 35? Or is that something that you thought about when you, that, that that's just kind of like the always going to be the, no matter what life they live? It's actually, I thought about it, like a Twilight Zone type kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, these crazy things happen sometimes. There are things that are uh, beyond reason and beyond uh, explanation. Okay. 
Um, so a lot of your work, as you mentioned in your bio, deals with kind of metaphysical and um, spiritual themes. Can you talk about why that's interesting to you and why you decided to write a thriller based around kind of more spiritual concepts than sort of typically what we see in thrillers? Well, I, like a, I saw a, uh, a 1991 film on VHS called Dead Again, a great film for everyone to uh, want to look for a good reincarnation thriller, romantic cast up. And uh, I was so uh, impressed by that. I've written one of my first screenplays. I wanted to write something, it was a comedy. Uh, I wanted to write something more serious, more dramatic. And after watching Dead Again, I thought, you know, reincarnation felt like a very interesting concept for a thriller. So I was thinking of the Twilight Zone stories of Richard Matheson, what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to uh, name it Destination Yesterday because uh, it's about uh, someone who uh, has a uh, past life of a tragic plane crash. He doesn't even know it. And uh, adds some add suspense and a uh, surprise twist ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think is one of the best scripts I've ever written. What was the, uh, the reasoning or what this the reason for picking him to be a black police officer in the prior life, just out of curiosity? Oh, curiosity. That's a very interesting question. I thought, uh, you know, I think it was, I thought it would be a very surprise, uh, I wanted to surprise someone, someone with, uh, someone who uh, was uh, another race, another creed, another life. Mm. I thought that would make a very interesting twist. That's mm. why I did it that way. Right, because you're going and watching, you're like, I ah, can't be him, right? He's black, and this guy's yeah, not. Of course, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to pull the world from out of you. You never know who you were. It's the yeah. same thing with the female. It couldn't yeah. be that she couldn't be the terrorist. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I think it was. She's a woman. There's probably some practical narrative reasons as to why you did everything you could to distinguish the reincarnated versions of these people from their original um, connections. Because I think had you have given us sort of on the nose connections to them, we might have seen it too soon. I think mm-hmm. you wanted to make that a big reveal. Is that right? That's exactly my plan, yeah. Cool. I think it works well in the script, Dexter. And it was such an interesting juxtaposition of their their jobs and their present lives, like one being a police officer and the other one being essentially a calendar maker. Uh, Like, did you have a reasoning for picking those two jobs as well? Like, because Theodore's dealing with such more intense things, whereas his everyday life is super monotonous or boring or mundane. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what what I wanted to do. Um, Um... you know, most of so mundane, ordinary, uh, the current life, in the past life, some more exciting, more dangerous, more challenging. I thought the position would be very interesting to uh, to uh, explore in the script. Why do you? Why did you choose for? Because it was very interesting that Susan um, was the terrorist, and she ends up helping them rediscover that. Mm-hmm. What was the thought process behind that? The thought process about that because. Uh, when I wrote the character of Susan, I wanted her to be uh, mysterious and creepy and what have you. And, uh, and there's a, there's a sneaky, someone, people have a sneaky feeling that there's something, something, something behind her, something, something sinister. Mm-hmm. And as you court, the people view at the end that uh, it is indeed beyond sinister. And uh, I wanted to put a lot of money people with that. Mm-hmm. I want to talk with you about just specifically the idea of sort of pulling the rug out from under us, because obviously it's a very surprising twist ending, and we get a lot of twists in the third act, which is always like hallmarks of a good thriller. 
I'd love to hear sort of how you structure, like what your process is, Dexter. And um, yeah, if you always knew that your ending was going to be what it was before you even dove into the script. I think I knew what the ending would, would be, what uh, one wanted it to be. I wanted to, like I said, uh, shock people. And uh, my process is to uh, be sort of a slow, sort of a slow burn, you know, easily, slowly, but surely the tension ratchets up and ratchets up and ratchets up until it just, just grabs you by the throat, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what I was trying to do. Regarding the uh, sequence in which Theodore was... Uh, or thinking of of her past his past life as the police officer reading these four four guys, these four robbers who uh, the reading collection of these four rob officers, uh, it's my first attempt at a at an action sequence. Um, mm-hmm. Action's not my kind of thing. Not not I'm not, I'm not an expert at it, but uh, like I said, I want to be a slow burn. So a, so slowly builds up and builds up, and then uh, some real shocks along the way and. Uh, like I said, uh, it was a very interesting experience writing uh, Destination yesterday. So when you when you write a story like this and you know exactly what you want to deliver in the end and in the third act and you already have exactly what you have in mind on paper, essentially, do you work backwards or do you kind of work at both ends and kind of meet in the middle? Or what is the process of writing when you have the end but maybe not how you're going to get there? Your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, 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 I just forward, forward, go forward. I don't go backwards. Um, I rarely go back with any of my scripts. Uh, I go forward, see what where the characters go, what the story goes, and I trust my instinct very much to uh, see what uh, what what happens. And uh, it has worked out quite well, more more far far better than uh, I would have anticipated or even dreamed of. Yeah. Um, one question I have: Whenever you're writing in two different timelines, like you are in this, it's important for us to um, see both, right? We need to be existing in both narratives at the same time. And actually, the first script we read of this year was another script that deals with two separate timelines. As a writer, how do you know how often to enter that past timeline? How do you find the balance between staying in the present with our primary protagonist, but also reminding the audience that we're simultaneously dealing with the past? Now, the thing about uh, Destination Yesterday and the script you just mentioned, The Second Dance, which is uh, a real passion project of mine. Um, I want, I thought hypnosis sequences and the, the dream sequences are really, really cool way, the best way to uh, deal with, with the past without uh, getting, uh, interfering too much with, with the story, to make the story, make the story flow, flow smoothly, organically. And, uh, you know, dreams and hypnosis are two things that are very interesting to me and very fascinated by, and that's what I wanted to do with the past, uh, with the regression sequences and definition yesterday and second dance, I thought uh, it would be very interesting to uh, deal with the past uh, and how it affects the present and perhaps the future of these characters. Do you have any dream casting for the script? Dream casting? Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's okay if you don't. I just was wondering if you had thought of anybody when you're writing specific characters or anything like that. Well, um, you know, I have uh, not, not not in particular, but uh, I do have dream casting for uh, other other script projects, and not quite destination yesterday. Although, although I dream of uh, like Amelia Jovovich or Zoe Zadala playing 
uh, Isabella. They play kind of so so otherworldly character support. I think they'll be perfect to do that kind of stuff. I can see that for sure. I see Miles Teller playing this. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Miles Teller as Theodore. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Patrick from the uh, Miles Teller would be great. We're, we're, yeah, Miles Teller would be great as yeah. a Theodore. Uh, uh, I've seen him in Whiplash. Awesome film. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Uh, he was amazing in that film. Should have gotten out for that. Mm-hmm. But he'll uh, think he'll be a great Theodore. Yeah. What? Uh, which number of draft do you think that we're holding in our hand here? That was a question. Uh, wow. Which, which draft is what I was trying <laughs> to say? He's not trying to quiz you. <laughs> yeah. No. Fourth draft. Fourth? Fourth draft. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, how... Are you someone who typically does a lot of rewrites, do you feel? I mean, that's an important lesson, I think, for our listeners, is that we're never reading a first draft on here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you feel like you're someone who goes who's, whose first draft is pretty close to what you want, or if you feel like this is a pretty dramatically different version of the script than you started with. Uh, in the original draft, um, in the ending, had uh, Theodore actually saving, saving Nancy. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, then uh, Susan's revealed to be uh, someone else. But that just didn't quite work. I wanted to do a more shocking ending, what have you. That ending was good, but I wanted to do something more. It didn't make a lot of sense. I wanted to make something more dramatic, more shocking, and put what up for money. That's why I thought of the, uh, you know, um, the Susan character becoming the terrorist in the past life and mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question I have is when you pitched me, you pitched me a lot of log lines, which was really exciting for me because I had a variety of picks, uh, scripts to choose from, Dexter. But That's awesome. there was a huge um, variety of genres that you've written in. And I think it's not necessarily typical that the writers I bring on this show explore a lot of different genres in their work. Um, is, that something, is that something you've always done? And do you feel like there's any kind of connective tissue between the work that you're doing or every project is really kind of its own thing? Uh, all of them have a connection. Uh, like you said before, that uh, all my scripts, virtually all my scripts, deal with the metaphysical and the paranormal and uh, the otherworldly and what have you. Um, I do it in different genres, you know, mostly horror and fantasy. Um, Destination yesterday saw sort of a supernatural tinged thriller. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I've not done any real-world stuff as of this moment, although I'd like to try to do something in the future of real-world stuff, but right now, the Twilight Zone, Outer Limits kind of stuff is the one thing I, I think doing the most, and uh, it's uh, gotten me the most success as a screenwriter. Yeah. I noticed that you have optioned an entire horror trilogy, which is very exciting. Wow. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about a little bit about that? Which you can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm represented by a company called Mystical Sounds Productions, Mike Lavigny and Faith Rea are the founders of that company. I'm represented by them. There's a company that optioned the uh, trilogy. It's called Enslavement. I can't tell you too much about the, uh, the, the plot, uh, top secret, but what I can tell you, it is a cross between the craft and uh, Red Dragon. Cool. Uh, I, I was majorly inspired by three actresses, uh, particular actresses in films, uh, Faruza Bonk in The Craft, Kim, director in Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and Dakota Fanning in The Twilight Saga, New Moon. In fact, hmm. the, the, the scene in which Dakota Fanning's character uh, mentally uh, makes uh, Robert Pattinson's character, Edward, feel pain, I was, I was floored. Okay, hmm. let me tell you, I was floored. So inspired by that, that 
I thought I that giving giving the day two thousand nine after the day after seeing that film, I was inspired to write the the first enslavement. Um, it took me just two weeks to finish it, and Dakota Fanning gives all the gives a lot of credit, tremendous credit, because she inspired me to find one of the characters in in enslavement. Hmm. And uh, so like I said, for Ruth Balk and Kim Director were major influences too, and. Uh, it's the fastest I've ever written any first draft script. Two weeks. And, wow. Uh, nice. It took me a couple of years, but uh, through a Facebook, I, I uh, ran into uh, Faith Rea. She uh, read the script. She loved it. She sent it to uh, Mark Levine, her partner, a partner in filmmaking and in real life, and uh, they liked it, and uh, they optioned the script, and uh, is currently uh, in development. That's, That's great. Very exciting. Awesome. We're looking forward to hearing more about that. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Dexter. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Thank I, you, very much. you mentioning the Dakota Fanny thing, I think it's uh, a lot of times that happens with a lot of things where it's not necessarily a story that inspires you, but like you'll see uh, a character or performance of somebody mm-hmm. in a show or movie or anything like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, Like you can, you just get this whole idea for a character, and then the story can act, like, just come out of this entirely other character. So it's just kind of cool. It's like, yeah, no, that's sort of how this... Mm. A main part of this whole series you created is like just just born out of a character. It doesn't take much. Just someone's performance is enough to inspire mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. whole yeah. a whole series. Well, thank you very much. Like I, like I said, uh, that moment in that film, uh, the Twilight in the Moon, I was floored. I was so inspired. And the day after that, I started writing uh, Enslavement, and it took me just two weeks to finish it. Cool. Well, Dexter, I always ask this question, and. Um, is this the first time you ever had this table read? And if it is, is there anything that you want to change, things you like, you didn't like, anything that worked, you know? I love the entire thing, man. There's not a single thing I disliked. Hmm. I think you guys did an awesome job. The, the one who played Theodore and Isabella, they did a tremendous job. All of them did a tremendous job, all the characters. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. Well, thanks, cool. Dexter. It was a it was a fun read. It really flew by, which is I think oftentimes the hallmark of a good script. So we appreciate you letting us bring it on. Mm-hmm. Oh well, one, one more thing. I want to make a special shout out to Sue Capozzi. She's an intuitive reader. I met her at a psychic fair one day, and she's a fan of my work. I gave her a few of my scripts, and Desolation Yesterday is by far her favorite script. Cool. She has a website called PsychicReadingsbySue dot com. That's PsychicReadingsbySue dot com. Sue, I'm giving you a shout out right now. That's mm-hmm. one more there you go, girl. Awesome. Um, well, and I have one more thing to say to you, Dexter. I hope you're watching the show Black Mirror on Netflix. Are you watching that show? Black Mirror? I have not uh, checked out that. I've heard of it. I would highly recommend it. You would definitely enjoy Black Mirror, sir. It's very, very Twilight Zone. Yes. Based on your tastes, I think that's a show you should be watching. So mm-hmm. I'm recommending it to you and to all of our listeners. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And the Black Mirror after well, show on they... After Buzz TV. Yes. <laughs> it's not for children. Two of the hosts in the room. <laughs> One last thing, one last thing. Um, well, my, my screenplay takes place in Sacramento. Uh, Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed a wonderful film called Late, uh, is from Sacramento, and her film takes place in Sacramento. It will be an honor and a privilege to uh, have Greta Gerwig direct one of my screenplays. Yeah. Um, I think she is an amazing actress, writer, and director, and I sure hope she gets an Oscar nomination for Best Director. She deserves it. She mm-hmm. has directed a wonderful film. Not usually my kind of film, but... I just wanted to know because we have a connection, Sacramento connection. Destination yesterday, Lady Bird, both take place in Sacramento, and uh, I think she's an awesome. 
she's fantastic. I agree. Mm-hmm. I I think it'll it'll be a very interesting moment if she doesn't get direct or <laughs> a director nomination this year because arguably she has directed one of the strongest movies this year. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to hear you say that, Dexter. And I think all of us on the panel agree with you. It's great, great to great to, uh, to have you agree with me on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe time. Any last questions for us? Uh, any last questions for us before we let, we let you go, Dexter? Any last questions? Hmm. Well, um, are, there, are there any uh, producers uh, interested in reading my? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. I I will keep you posted. There's there's been a couple of moments when I've thought of connections that could p- potentially make sense for both our writers and our, some of the producers I know. So if anything comes to mind, Dexter, I will, of course, let you know. We're a pro-writer show, and it's our goal to help get this work made. So mm-hmm. um, we'll stay in touch, Dexter, and I, again, really appreciate you letting us read your work on air. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm honored, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Thank, thank you, you, sir, Thank you so man. much. Uh, bye, Dexter. Great. Um, so, guys, that was Destination yesterday. We just spoke to its writer, Dexter Williams, who sounds like he's got some exciting things in the works. So, yeah, good we'll for him. congratulations to him. Yeah, congratulations to him. We'll be keeping our eye on it. Um, and this has been the Unproduced Table Read, guys. If you like today's show, I have a couple scripts I'd recommend. Um, one is a script called The Hunter and the Mystic. Um, Dexter mentioned sort of um, metaphysical, in- intuitive healing. And there's actually a character in that script who's an intuitive healer. So if you're kind of yeah. interested in those themes, you should check that out. Another script I'd recommend is another thriller we read called The Drowning Pool, which is about um, a woman who loses her sister in Mexico and kind of has to deal with her loss and encounters mysterious discoveries along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be here again next week at 10 a.m. I promise that our second <laughs> script of the month will be a play. That's actually been pushed to next week, so we'll be reading that on Friday. And then we have a very exciting comedy coming up after that. So we'll see you then next week at 10 a.m. How about the rest of you guys? Uh, hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me everywhere online at Andrew Guy. I'm Roxy Stryer. You can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer. I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. You can also catch me on AfterBuzz on Wednesdays for The Magicians. And you can catch me and Steve on The Black Mirror if you haven't caught up yet. And I'm Hudson Miller. And uh, if you found any social media of me, it's not mine. It's somebody, <laughs> somebody else's. So. And I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. That's at Steve Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I do a lot of stuff here at AfterBuzz TV, and I tweet about it. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week here on the Unproduced Table Read. Bye. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 